if you turn in your Bible to the book of Deuteronomy 28, it's not part of my message, but I just felt uh, the Lord lead me to <clears throat> come here and just declare and speak some things into our lives. This is our word. The, the Bible says that the promises of God are yea and amen for us that are in Christ. Amen. The promises of God are yes and amen for us that are in Christ. Every time you read a promise where God says, I will do this for you. I will do this for you. You always have to check whether it's a promise without a condition or it's a conditional promise. Sometimes God will say, if you do this, I promise I'll do this. And God honors his word. If you don't do it, you cannot wrestle it out of his hand. He says, I will do this. If you do this, then I will do this. And many of us claim blessings that are actually not earmarked for us because those blessings are for those who obey that word. It's, this is a wonderful promise, uh, a chapter of promise uh, in Deuteronomy 28. If you are in Christ, this was spoken to Israel, but if you are in Christ... All the promises of God for you are yes. The Bible says they are yea and amen, meaning that for you, you, if you say yes to them, they will happen to you. Let it be to you. They are yea and amen for us that are in Christ. It says, now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. So if I go around telling people, I'll be set high above all the nations of the earth, I ignore the first part of it that says I am an obedient person. What happens is that I'll be claiming something that is not mine and you will make people think that God is a liar or I am a liar. The Bible says that obedience will bring you high above all the nations of the earth. The church has been viewed as beneath the nations, but God desires for his church to be a shining light that cannot be hidden, to be above the nations of the earth, to have the glory of God, to have victory over all nations. And this is how God said it in the beginning, and it's supposed to be so even today. And he says, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord. That means they have been sent to follow you, run after you, and not just run after you, Tackle you, overtake you. The blessings of God are not supposed to be chased. They are chasing you already. When you chase them, you'll never meet. But if you obey his voice, these blessings have been commanded. They cannot turn back to God and say, Ah, I am a car, I belong to so and so, but I couldn't reach them. They have been commanded. Go chase them, overtake them. However fast they run, go catch up with them and don't come back here until you, are become, you become theirs. And he says, blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall, be you, uh, shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. That means that blessed be your children. That means that already the blessing of God will bring children to you. Amen. Then they will be blessed. There's no way God can bless nothing and then, you know, it's, the children are there, and that's why he says, then I'll bless them, then the produce of your ground. Then he says in verse 5, Blessed shall your basket and your kneading bowl 
That means where you store your food, your fridge and freezer shall be blessed. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. That means anytime you see me, I am a blessed person. Anytime the world sees you, the blessing of God is in your life. Don't view yourself as one that is cast because you are not. Unless you begin casting yourself, you are not cast. You are blessed by God if you are in God's kingdom. Yes, the devil may want to block doors that are already open. The devil may want to bring things in your life and convince your mind that you are cast. But I want you to know you are not cast. You are blessed by God. And you need to be sensitive to the blessing of God in your life. Amen? The blessing of God. The blessing of God is upon your life. And he says here, The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. Okay? They shall come out against you. And this is true. They have already come out against you, haven't they? They shall come out against you. They will come one way, but they will flee before you seven. That means when they come, when they will be fleeing, there will be no organization. God is going to rout them. They are going to be running away seven ways, all kinds of directions when God explodes on your situation. The Lord will command your ble the blessing on your storehouses, that is your bank accounts, and in all to which you set your hand, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as his holy people himself. And I am believing God for establishment in your finances. And I've said this word over and over this year. I want to just, I don't know how to define it. I don't know whether to cut it out. That there will be establishment in your finances in the name of Jesus. Not just spiritually, not just feeling nice, not just a miracle here and there, but being blessed in such a way that you are established. It's not here today and gone tomorrow, but it's there to stay. It is there to increase. It's there to grow. It has a foundation. It's not going to be soon, soon shaken, but it's going to be there in your life. This is a blessing that I know God has set for each one of us in this house. And it's our blessing. I'll speak it. I'll speak it until you believe it. The day you believe it, if it's today, you are going to walk away in this blessing. And you are going to walk away with it. He will establish you as his holy people. Amen. God will establish your finances. If you've never enjoyed a good day in your money, God is going to establish you. You just have to open your eyes to see the blessing of God in your life. Amen? Many of us are not sensitive to God's blessings. We are just sensitive to the things that are associated with curses. We, and, and many, many people actually don't realize it, but the car you drive, you notice it everywhere you go, don't you? Okay? You notice it everywhere you go. You quickly notice people, if, if you were living in another city, um, I remember visiting one, one city, Addis Ababa one time, and I found the people that were from the West, some are from Italy, some from here, they all come together on one day from all different denominations, and they just eat together sometimes, even have a beer, but they, they can locate each other. Some of them have to drive six hours to go and meet together. And when they, in the streets, if they locate somebody, you'll hear them talk. I was in their compound. So you'll hear them talk and say, oh, I saw such and such a person. 
and they'll describe him and they want, they know each other. They saw a lot of other people from that country. They didn't recognize any of them, but they recognize what their minds are sensitive to. Many times uh, before you got your car, you never noticed it. But the day you got it, you started seeing it everywhere. I didn't notice your car, but I noticed mine <laughs> when I was coming. Because I have, I have it, you own it. You, because you have it, it's important to you, you notice it. And I'm saying that to say that if you are sensitized to negative things, those are the ones you notice all the time. If you're only sensitized to curses and being broke. So all the time, that is what you're going to be sensitized. You are not seeing the glass half full. You are seeing it half empty. So, and that is where many people are. And that's why it's hard to convince them that God is on your side. Because the devil is always saying, see, you know why that tire is 31 PSI? It's, it, it's not, it doesn't have enough pressure. It's going down. And that's about $400 to change all of them. I mean, the devil magnifies these things until you have money, but you feel broke all the time. And you, you are established and you feel like you are nothing or nobody. Well, half, 99% of the world can give, I mean, everything to be where you are and to have the problems you have. Many, many of us don't realize how blessed we are. And I want to sensitize you to the blessings of God in your life because you start noticing them, you start giving God the glory, and they increase in your life. If you have a relative that you always send money to and give money to, and all they do is complain, do you know what happens? You stop giving money. But if you have a relative who, when you send them money, they call you, they say, oh, wait until, let me kneel down first. And then they say, whoa, God bless you so much. Oh, I'm so great. I, I cried when I saw the, the text message that you sent me money. Oh, you'll send more money. You go looking for money so you can send more there. Why? Because it, when you see gratitude, it's attractive. And many of us, that's not how we approach God. We are complaining and complaining and fighting all the time. I got a check. My God, I just got my check. It's almost gone. And our Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm waiting for the day when I'll see thousands and millions in my account. And God is just looking at you and wondering, why are you complaining? You didn't have that. Ten years ago, you didn't even have 0 0.01 of that. You didn't have the opportunities you have. Amen. Be sensitive to God's blessings. There are many. And get into the culture of giving God thanks. You will never miss out on the blessings of God. You will never. And many of us are supposed to be super thankful, super thankful, super thankful. But we are not. All of us, you know, many times we kneel down, pray. But instead of thanking God, we are just complaining the blessings of God. And he says here that these blessings will follow you. They will pursue you. When you obey God's voice and obedience to God's voice, first of all, simple thing, gratitude. Just even being able today to say, Father, today I'm asking you for nothing. Today I just come to say thank you for what you have done. Thank you. If you don't, don't even have the words to thank God because that's not in your, you know, in your vocabulary, just stand up and say thank you, thank you, thank you a hundred times. Thank you, 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 thank you. Count until it's a hundred. If you don't know how to give God thanks, 
Just stand up and say, thank you. And again, list the things and say, Father, I thank you for my car. Father, I thank you for my job. I thank you they didn't fire me on Friday. I thank you, Father, I, I give you praise. I thank you for the things you have done. I thank you because that person fell, they didn't break anything. I thank you. That would have been the end of my career. I thank you because that cop did not stop me, although I was overspeeding. I thank you because you've kept me safe. I have nothing, but you have kept me safe. I thank you because I have food. I thank you my freezer is full. I thank you because I'm in health. I thank you. You just thank God and thank, you have many things to thank God for. Amen. Many times we just come, hey, hey, what else? Eh, what else? What do you have for me? Nothing, nothing, nothing. That's it, that's it. Just get into the habit of thanking God and you'll see how the blessings multiply. Amen? Five decisions. Uh, starting now, starting now is a series that we are going to start and um, I'll finish uh, with this series around Easter, then we'll break off, and then I'll come back to this series sometime later, starting now. And what I feel is that God is provoking us as a church to start doing the things we already know. We have the wisdom of God. We have the word of God in our lives. We know what to do, but we have not started. And the challenge to start now the challenge to start now because when you begin doing it, that is when the blessings of God start flowing in your life. And even before I begin this message, let me read for you something in the book of Haggai. In the book of Haggai chapter 2 verse 15. Haggai is where we were reading last Sunday where people said it's not yet time to build God's house, but it's time for us to build our own paneled houses. When we finish, then we'll go and build God's house. And God said, look at what has happened to you. You've harvested, you've planted, but you have harvested little. Even what you brought home, I made sure that uh, they, they, I was destroyed in your granaries. And Haggai 2.15, he continues. He says, now give careful thought to this from this day on, from now on, from this day on. He says, consider how things were before one stone was laid on another in the Lord's temple. This is when they began building the temple. And he said, when they began, he said, consider from this day when you laid the first stone on the temple. And he says, when anyone came to a heap of 20 measures, there were only 10. So you looked and you thought much was coming, but when you went to open the envelope, little was there. When anyone went to the wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were only 20. I struck all the work of your hands with blight, mildew, and hell. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. There are people who suffer and suffer and suffer, but they, yet they don't turn to God. Yet the Bible says in Hosea chapter 5 verse 15, I will hide my face. And when they see that, they are going to seek after me and they will find me when they seek me with all their heart. That means that from time to time, God hides his face. And the reason is not to punish you is so that you can seek after him. But he says these people, even when they were going through suffering, they never sought the Lord. There was King Asa, when he was suffering, he had actually a boil in his, his leg. He never sought after God. And later the prophet came and asked him, why didn't you seek after the living God? even in the midst of your suffering. So he says here that you did not turn to me. You did not return even when you got very broke. And he says from this day on, 
from the 24th day of the ninth month, give careful thought to the, to the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Give careful thought. If there is yet any seed left in the barn, until now, the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne fruit. From this day on, I will bless you. He, he says, from now, now that you have started taking action, from this day, and he gives a date, and he says, from this day, I'll bless you. And it's not because of the day, but it's because today you have laid a stone on the foundation of God's house. Amen? So when we start talking about prophetically from this day on, what we are saying is, I will do something that will provoke God to do something from this day going forward. I will obey him, I'll obey him, I'll do something in my life, I'll adjust my life to where God is going to actually bless my life. And today I want to just talk about some decisions that you make today that are going to impact your financial life, that are going to impact your social life. Decisions that you'll make and you make them from this day, you will see results in the near future and you'll see what God can do in your life. And in this, in this series, I'm going to be talking today about money. Next time, I'll talk about marriages, uh, relationships. I'll talk about our work ethic. I'll talk about some of the things about our prayer life, about our study in the scriptures, about salvation, about some decisions you can make and see what God will do in your life from this day going forward. Amen? If you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. That is what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 4. The sluggard does not prowl in the autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. So when he's supposed to be doing something, what he doesn't do, the sluggard is a lazy man. It's just a good word for lazy. A lazy man does nothing when everyone is plowing and putting seeds in the ground. He's just uh, watching everybody and on Facebook. But on the day of the harvest, he has nothing. He goes out to plow, there's nothing for him. But he says, if you wait for perfect conditions to do and start doing something, you will never get anything done. If you wait for perfect conditions for you to start organizing your finances until you get a pay increase, you will never. Actually, that day will never come, ever. The billionaires that we know that are actually always on TV, we are hearing about their debts and their problems and their cases in court. These are not perfect conditions for them, but they still have a B before their name. Amen? So if you're waiting for when, there will be no needs, no bills, no nothing, so that you start organizing yourself. That day is not coming. It is important that you start now. Ephesians 5.15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time. Another version that is a King James says, redeeming the time for the days are evil. Redeeming the time. That means not wasting the time. And he says the reason, because the day we are living in is an evil day. Redeeming the time for the days are evil. Redeeming. It's, this is an interesting verse that I wanted you to hear. Proverbs 6, 6 to 11. You lazy fool, not anyone here, but I'm just, I'm just re reading what the Bible says. <laughs> it says here, you lazy fool, look at an ant, watch it closely, let it teach you a thing or two. Nobody has to tell it what to do, 
All summer, it stores up food. At harvest, it stockpiles provisions. So how long are you going to laze around doing nothing? How long before you get out of bed? A nap here, a nap there, a day off here, a day off there. Sit back, take it easy. Do you know what comes next? Just this. You can look forward to a dirt poor life. Poverty, your permanent guest house. House guest. Amen? That is uh, in the New Living Translation. I, I chose that not because of it's deep. I chose that because you will understand exactly what it means. It's so plain. If you want poverty to you, and you know where poverty is a permanent house guest. Poverty is there to stay. Poverty moves, moved in with grandchildren, moved in with everything. And you have to be able to say that to yourself that that is not going to be my house. But how does that happen? You are so quiet. Why are you so quiet? It happens because lazy here, lazy there, a nap here, a nap there, a day off here, a day off there, sit back, take it easy. You don't know what is coming next. <laughs> Amen? So listen to what an aunt, is, an, an aunt is teaching us. An aunt has no CEO. An aunt is its own CEO. It has no CFO, it is its own CFO, chief financial officer. It manages its own finances. Has no manager, no rules, no central command, no, no, it's, I mean, there are no rules governing and following up of the aunt. The aunt has no CEO. The aunt works like a CEO itself. It's its own CEO. It looks at the weather and says, hey, you know what is happening? Winter is coming, and I'm not built for winter. I have no resources. I have no cousin with a very good cabin where I can go and rest. All my cousins are right here in the ground. So what do I do? I need to manage my work. I need to manage my time so that I can have resources for the day that is coming. It collects clams, food that falls from the table, tiny pieces of food. It doesn't wait for the big one to fall. It doesn't wait for the toast. It will not steal from your table from the toast. It goes around, bites at the little pieces, and heads back to go to store it. And even, I know you have watched ants, many of you growing up, but you have never found an ant sitting at the corner, chewing on the clam it was taking for storage. Oh, I'm hungry. Let me just sit here. Let me chew on this one. And then, no, they... If it's for storage, it takes to storage. They're not busy eating it. They are rolling it. They can even come to, they are rolling it and taking it there so that they can store it. And so it does not instantly gratify itself. Has been able to overcome that battle. Tiny, tiny little thing with no brain, but has actually been able to combat instant gratification and is able to store for the winter that is coming. It works and works and works tirelessly. And when I say that, it's not just going out to go to work, but also working on managing your finances. A lot of people here don't need to work one more hour in your schedule. 
Because you hear a message like this and tomorrow you just, after this you tell your wife, let me call work and find out whether there's a shift. You know that has not worked for you all these years? It has not worked. It, you, sometimes you feel like you're going to just close your apartment and just move into work and be clocked in throughout your life. It's not going to work. The hard work is not working hard. It's being smart at what you're doing, working hard at managing what God has given you because what God gives you is enough. Amen? So starting now, you have to tell yourself some of these things that we are going to be speaking here today. Number one, I'll start getting my financial house in order. There will be financial peace on earth. You have to tell yourself stuff like that. My house shall be ordered financially. I'll set my house in order financially. Starting now, not next week, not next month. If you started this last year, then you would be somewhere this year. But you have to start managing your house, managing your finances, and you have to start doing that now. Have a spending plan. Have a plan on how you spend money. It can be, some people are very detailed. I'm not that, that kind of a person, but it can also be a simple plan. A simple plan for managing money. You know, that account is where I put money for the kitchen. That account is where I put money for the house. That's a, that account is where I put money for when I go shopping for clothes. You just put it in different places and then you can be as emotional as you want when you go out shopping but you are emotional with one card, not all your cards. Amen? Starting now, I'll put my financial house in. Listen to Jesus here, Luke 14, verse 28 to 30. This is the words of the master himself. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not fast it down and count the cost? So if you are planning to build a big, big building, tower, those skyscrapers you see in downtown, if you are planning to build one, what are you going to do? First, sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it, to be, it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. What he's saying is that you don't build financial towers without planning. Amen? A small, small one-room cube that I actually used to live in before I married my wife, there was no plan. I think even the day they started building it, I don't think anyone had an idea what they were going to do. Nobody ever drew it before it was actually done. You probably just said, let's go out, let's build. And then they said, the door will be here. <laughs> but when you are building a serious tower, if your financial house is going to be a tower, you must have a plan. Simple or detailed, there has to be a plan. If you're not planning, you are planning to fail. It is that plain and simple. If you say it's too much work to plan, then you are planning to, you have to have a plan where you sit down and talk among yourselves in the house and say, hey, let's talk about money. Someone says, leave my check out. Plan your own money. 
you have to have a plan. And I just want to suggest that that plan needs to be a plan that you can work with. Don't do such a detailed plan that is not, you know, doesn't work with your system. Have a plan that will, you'll be able to work with. If it's too detailed Excel sheets that, and you have not touched an Excel sheet maybe for, for, for probably the last 10 years and you start now building, you're not going to use it. Nowadays, you have apps on the phone. You can just go on the app and just be able to do some stuff there. You can be able to have a spending plan. Don't just walk out without a plan. Balance your books. Balance your books. That means you don't want to have red ink. You want black. Call this your black Sunday. When you move your books from Red to black, where there's no red ink, you are not in debt, you are not overdraft, you are not actually move to where you have some money left because that is what God's plan for your life is. And how do you do that? The first thing you have to do is you have to keep track of your spending. You have to do what? Keep track of your spending. Naturally, when you keep track of your spending, somehow you will manage. Let me let me give you an example. If if you look at um how people that walk on a tightrope. Have you seen people that walk on a tightrope? What do they do? They are always looking. They never look down. They are always looking at a certain focal point. And as they look, they keep adjusting themselves. Sometimes they'll even have a balancing pole so that if they are swayed on this side, they swing the weight on the other side. But they are keeping their eyes focused on one point. I saw one person, I think we have that in a small group study, one of our small group studies, someone illustrating that by how you can put, like even this microphone, how I can put it. I'm not going to, to try this, but if I'm going to have it steady on my hand, what do I have to do? I have to keep my eyes on it. I can't start looking around and expect it to be steady. So I'm looking at it so that if it swings on this side, I can slide it back and I can have it stable. And I was going to have people Come and try. One person is not looking. The other person is looking. The person that is looking, however inexperienced they are, they are going to be able to keep their stable and balanced longer than the person that is not looking. Amen? Have you ever tried to balance a pole or a piece of a, a, a stick on your hand? Your eyes have to be on it so that you can actually just make sure that it's there. If you move your eyes from it, it will fall down. Okay? That's one system. You have to have your eyes on it. Some of you that are older are saying, we never used to have apps. I never used to have access to my bank account a long time ago. So how would I have kept up with that information? But the other way of balancing this pole is what we used to do a long time ago. Is tie the pole to the hand. It's another way of balancing. Then you don't have to look. And how did we do that? You went to the bank, you got your salary, you may be in cash or whatever, you got all the money, you went home, paid this debt, paid that, you paid rent, you bought the food, the, the, the huge amounts of food, except the vegetables, and then the rest of the money that you were going to save, you went to the bank. And you stood on the queue in the bank. And maybe you had to take two matatus before you actually reached the bank. You stay in the bank, until you finally get to the cashier, you give the money to the cashier, and as you leave the bank, you know that that money, I thank God it's not in my hand, but I pray that it's not going to be chewed in the bank. 
now when you start counting, you think about, I want to use a hundred shillings or a hundred whatever. And you think about how much will I use coming from here to go to the city and get a hundred shillings. And you say, I don't want to even go. I don't want to go there. So your money is safe until the end of the month. Sometimes you're even in the city, but you think about the line, the queue before you get to the cashier. Your money is just getting interest. You, your money can double when you're still on the queue. So that's how we managed without having too much information at that time. But we are in a different generation. Anytime you walk into Walmart, you have all your money in the checking and in the savings attached to a single plastic. All your wealth in the world is attached to that one single plastic. And so unless you have the, 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 the self-control internally, you are going to mess up. And that's why I'm saying you have to have a plan. And that plan may be separating completely your checking account and making sure you don't have overdraft in your checking account. Where you say to yourself, I have to do the math. You take some, uh, some uh, letters, you know that's $5. You take bread, that's another $6. You see something else and say, I like that. You take it, $7. You take something else and you're just doing the math as you drive around. Some of you are not good at math, but when you add the dollar sign, I know you know how to add up. <laughs> if there's no dollar sign, you cannot add up. But when you put the dollar sign, you know how to add up that one. So you, you count, you, before you get there to the cashier, you already know how much money, because you don't want embarrassment. The money in the bank, you also know how much you have, and then you can smile. If you don't have that kind of control, you are going to be misusing, overspending, and you are always going to be on the red, making money and earning it just to spend it on other people. Avoid expenses that you don't need. Some of you starting today, you need to change your bank. Some of these banks are very good at chewing your money. You, you pay, you write checks, and they'll pile the checks until they know that the checks are more than what is in the bank. Then they put the big check before the others, and then they overdraft. You remember I brought uh, the, the, uh, Bart Neal. I brought him here one time. He used to be a president of several banks here. You remember he spoke here one time, and he said the most, most of their money was from insufficient funds. And he said they used to, in one branch, they would make even to a million dollars from insufficient funds. And that money actually is money that someone made and they would just hit your account with $38 just like that. Amen? So because that is so true, that's why a lot of people are silent today and I just will continue. Amen? But you have to start somewhere. It will not just happen by itself. See, I want to just challenge you. Starting now, start managing your money. Don't fight for increasing the money that is coming your way. You've seen how millionaires, someone will make 50 million in 10 years, he's broke in the streets. So it's not the amount of money that you make. It is how you manage the money that comes your way. Starting now, I'm going to manage my money and I'll put my financial house in order. Some of the men that are single today, they are not single because they want to be single. But their house is so much in disarray, they don't want anyone to peek in there and see. Some of the ladies, they, even when a brother comes, they don't want because they look so nice on the outside, but they are not managing their money well. And so you think this brother is so organized when he sees my finances, he's going to run away. I'm telling you, it's just as bad on the other side. 
Amen? But start somewhere. Start where you are and build and grow. And God is going to bless you. God is not just going to send money where there is a waster. God wants to see you managing what you have. And management is what increases the blessing. God will not give you what you want. He gives you what you can manage. If you cannot manage it, he's not a waster. He says, collect the remainder of the food and put it in baskets that there be no waste. It's a kingdom principle. God doesn't waste on anybody. Amen? So starting now, it's a decision I pray that you are going to make today that you are not going to have any money that you don't have a plan for. Any money you don't have a plan for, somebody else is planning. They know that you're two weeks. They know the check is coming. On Thursday, they send a text message. Because you have no plan for your money, that money will be spent by people that have a plan. But if you had a plan and you had already set where the money is going, you'd be able to answer them and say, I'll be praying with you, hallelujah. I'll be remembering you in prayer and remember me also. I'm needing also to start a certain project. Because you have a plan for your money. Those who have no plan, their money is always chewed by those who have a plan. Amen? Someone sits down and says, you know what? I'm going to start a kiosk. I don't have money. All I'm going to do is I'm going to ask for a loan. And loan, if you get that money, you are lucky. Amen? Number two, starting now, starting now, I'll be a consistent tither and a consistent giver. Amen? You have to start somewhere. Some of you, um, you hear this message, you know it, but you are saying, you know what I want to start around summer? You know, <laughs> I'll wait until Easter and then I'll just merge and just continue. You have to start somewhere. The blessing of God begins when you lay the first stone on the foundation. Now that you know these things, do them that you may be blessed. Starting now, making a commitment to God that I will be one that tests you. He says, test me by this, says the Lord. If I not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing, that you shall have no room enough to receive it. I will rebuke that. He says, test me, check my character with this issue. This is the only time God says, check me. See whether I'll be faithful to my word. Check me on this. And so when you begin doing it, not knowing, when you begin doing it, that is when God opens the windows of heaven and the blessing of God comes upon you. However good the message is, however nicely your notes are, however keenly you know it, if you don't do it, if you don't do it, you are not going to walk in the blessing of God. And making that commitment is important. You have to repent and rededicate yourself. Some people have stolen and some are serial thieves. You steal, you steal knowing. Sometimes even the Holy Spirit says, remember what you told me on Sunday. You say, now you have repented. You want to begin. I've now sent it. Now honor me. And you are saying, no, I'll take it on Sunday. Lord, I'll take it on Sunday. I don't trust these text messages. I'll take it on Sunday. Then Sunday morning, you're planning to go to church and, and the devil says, you know what? I don't, I don't even think that, that that word was really the way it was. And the devil at that time has stolen the words of God from your heart and has stolen your blessing. 
This is what I want you to know. The devil knows he cannot stop God from blessing you. He knows that. It's clear. The devil knows that he cannot stop God's angel coming your way. He cannot stop him. What he knows is that God watches you to fulfill your word. And so he comes to the weak link and makes sure you don't honor your word. When you don't honor your part, he runs to heaven and says, how are you going to bless him and he dishonored you? He ate the tithe. It is with the Chinese. It is with the Japanese right now. I saw it. I have evidence. I have copies of the receipts. They are right there. He's the accuser of brethren. And he's there counterpetitioning every claim. And you're there saying, Father, in the name of Jesus, I am coming because the pastor said we are going to be blessed and we are walking in the blessing of God. And the devil says, see, they want to rob heaven. And your word says, can a man rob God? And he says, you have to be just. Give them the cast. That is what is theirs. That is how the devil fights. And that's how he fights with people's lives. And you have to make sure you do your, once your part is done, God is committed. God cannot fail. You cannot be more faithful than God. He's a debtor to no man. He has never failed once. He's not going to begin. He will bring his blessing in your life if you get committed to fulfilling your part. There's no depth in this message. There's no revelation that is expected beyond this. Obedience is what actually commits God to his part of the covenant of blessing. Amen? Making a commitment to tithe. By the way, let me tell you something. Everybody in this church tithes. Everyone here tithes. You didn't know that? Every, even the one, even the money you, everybody tithes. We are only two kinds of people in this church. There are those who tithe and are blessed for it because they give it in the church. There are those who God has to come and get it from them because they stole it. And they are not blessed and yet because they have been caught, it actually goes with a number, another seven, uh, six portions. When a thief is caught, he pays seven times. That is a devourer. But never think that you can rob God. And that's why he asked the rhetorical question, can a man rob God? The answer is, no. You cannot. And that's, that's why he says, you cannot. That's why you are cast with a cast. You are looking at, your check comes and disappears. And you look at, you get mad. And you work more, and you work more. By the end of the year, you look back. There is no extra. You've worked. You're getting older. Time is running out. You've never done what God has said. You think you're wise. I want you to know, honor God and you'll enjoy financial peace on earth. Amen? When you know how to tithe. And don't listen to the lies of the devil. God will still honor his word. Today, if you hear about a lot of people from countries in Africa, Nigeria, you hear a lot of people from Kenya, even Tanzania, some portions, because of the much this word was preached, and even some preachers were robbing people. But because God is still faithful to his word, God has blessed a lot of people in those countries. They, God has blessed a lot of people because generally people in Africa are givers. You, you call your village church and ask them how much they raise in their last fundraiser. And turn it to dollars and you'll hear how much. And you didn't send your dollars. It is... They have been taught and they know how to bless and how to give. We get 
a different kind of message. And so we think just because you are in America, you are going to be, I want you to know the blessing of God knows where it has been sent. When you obey the word, it will come to your house. Amen. And don't say, I'm a faithful tither, but God has not blessed me. You are a liar. Let, let God be true and every man be a liar. Don't ever listen to someone telling you that, I know I've been faithful to God. I have given, but God, that, tell them you are a liar. God cannot lie. If there is two statements, one is you, the other one is God. I, you know who I believe? I'll just believe God. I, I just choose to believe God, not you. Even when myself, I tell myself some things, I always say, but let God be true. I will doubt everybody else. Never question God because he has proven himself to be faithful. Starting now, I'll become a tither that is a consistent tither. Amen? And I will ask you, if you have been a consistent tither, I want you to just share and tell somebody what God has done in the time that you have been tithing. Because we do it sometimes, then we stop. And then we look back and then we begin, then we stop. When you have been consistent, you never lack. God always supplies. Amen? And he's always faithful. Number three, and this is, uh, I'm just running because I want to finish quickly. Starting now, I would spend less than I earn. This is pure common sense. <laughs> pure common sense. Uh, spend less than you earn if you want to go ahead financially. That is the one principle every person that is wealthy will tell you. Don't spend everything, spend less, and then you'll be able to have something extra. Proverbs 21 verse 17, he who loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. When he says oil here, these are expensive perfumes. Yeah? Stuff to decorate yourself. Yeah? You love pleasure. You love wine. Is someone that loves joy and wine and celebrations and stuff like that. They are always in parties. Yeah, they're always flying out of town um, uh, to the beach uh, down in Florida. Then uh, quickly they are in California on another beach. Quickly they are also somewhere else. You're always seeing their posts and you're saying, my goodness, these are, they are wealthy. And they'll say, no, I, I got a package. I got a package. That's how people become poor. If you love pleasure, if you love pleasure and you love wine, you are not going to be rich. Amen? The wicked shall be a ransom for the righteous and the unfaithful for the upright. Better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. That's what he says. Verse 20 is where I'm headed. There is a desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man squanders it. The Bible says a foolish man eats everything. They eat the oil, they eat the wine, <laughs> they eat everything. But when you go to the house of the wise man, there is treasure, there is oil, there is something extra. Amen? And when I preach this way, I know some people get mad because truth hurts. <laughs> the simplest thing moving forward financially is to spend less Let's say you, you make $100,000 a year. Let's just say you make $100,000 a year. 
and you spend $120,000 a year, how much will you have left at the end of the year? Minus, minus 20000 Now, somebody else is getting minimum pay, making 20000 a year. They spend 10000 a year. They have two roommates. They always eat ugali in the house. They spend 10000 How much do they have at the end of the year? Who is wealthy? The one making twenty, having something left. Amen? If I gave you 10 bucks, Emmanuel, if I gave you 10 bucks, and I called these two guys here, and I asked them to get as much money from you as possible. If you be left with something, are you going to give them everything you have? If you're going to be left with something, are you going to give them each $5? How about they insist? How about they remind you how they helped you when you came here? <laughs> I'm just asking. How about they remind you, remember how I helped you? Are you going to give them everything? How about they cry? How about they quote scripture? How about they dream and prophesy? So this is what I'm saying. And it's just simple. You have to guard what God has given you. And you have to guard it so that you have something left. Give less to the other places so that you have something left. In some places, you should give nothing. Many people here have the Messiah complex. You are the Messiah for a lot of people. They don't need to pray. All they need is a phone and have credit and just call you at the right time and then they have what they need. They don't need to talk to God. They don't need to refer to the scriptures. They don't need to tithe because they have you and you feel like they are Messiah. And so many of us, you know why we keep doing that over and over? Because we also get something from that. Because they call and they say, by the way, do you know of all our people? And I, I'm not just saying this, but be, of all the people in our family, do you know you are the best? <laughs> do you know if it were not for you, do you know I would be dead, dead, completely dead? <laughs> and then you feel, <laughs> keep, keep it coming. <laughs> Just bring it in. And then, do you know? Do you, do you just even know? Sometimes I think about you and I just cry. And then when you, you hear that, you say, okay, okay, what do you want? And then you just send it. And so you find we are giving and giving and giving and giving what we don't have. But if we had a spending plan, 33% of your income goes to your house. If you have 40% or 50% for your house, you have too much house. Downsize. 33%. You have to be able to save 10% of your income. Last paycheck, 10% pay yourself. Just put it on the side. Clothes, 5%. So 5% of $1,000 is how much? 50. 50 doesn't buy a dress. Okay, but you keep it this time, you keep another 50, you keep another 50. In the beginning of spring, you can go to JCPenney Outlet and say, okay, I like you, I like you. Another dress calls you and says, 
you know, you, you have always been pointing at me. Last time you couldn't afford me, now you can. Don't leave me here. I belong to you. Take me home. It's a hundred and you look at it and say, okay, I saved, I took, it took me three checks to save money. I'm not going to spend it on one dress. I mean, when you have a budget, then you have just 2% of your check, 2% to give to people that are calling. When they call, you tell them, I have nothing. I don't have, I have just a 20. Do you want me to throw you a 20? They say, well, well, no, let me call you back. <laughs> or they say, just send it. Then you just go on, the, on that app and just send the 20. There's, there are apps today you can even ten, send five bucks. If they say, I want to go to the market, how much? They say, okay, it's 200. You send them five bucks. Five bucks. Five bucks. But you have to know exactly how much you need to spend. Because however much I want to give, God has given me so much. And I just know that this much is what I can afford to give to somebody. If I don't, and I, maybe I've told some of you that, and, and this is something that I've told a lot of people, including my relatives, if I don't have it and you need it, then it must be somewhere else. And what I'll do is I'll pray for you until you get it. It's not my problem now. No, it's not my problem. I have a, a brother friend of mine. He used to work for an NGO in the city, Nairobi city. He was from Malindi. And he was an accountant. So what he used to, he had something posted by outside his door. And this is what it said. Your lack of planning does not constitute an emergency for me. So if you are coming from up country with your bags and you are coming to get something from him, you read that, you know that he's not going to start running up and down because you did not plan yourself. Your lack of planning does not constitute an emergency for me. And so he started, and you have to tell that to yourself. Starting now, I will not spend everything I earn, and I will not spend more than I earn. Starting now, I will commit myself that I will always have something to spare. And start by putting aside just 10%. Any thousand, a hundred. Put it on the side, put it away. Don't put it in the same account where you are charging and paying bills. Put it far away from you. And that we have just this natural tendency. God gives us every, but whatever belongs to God is what we always come to. Or whatever is in the savings. Adam and Eve have the whole garden to themselves. It is all theirs. Avocados. They are, <laughs> they are bananas. They are apples. All kinds of, it's all theirs. They can make fruit salads. They can say today is a mango day. Today is a banana. They could eat everything they want. But they move around the whole place and they have a problem with just one tree. Until we test this one, I have no peace. And that is what actually is happening with a lot of people. I won't take it beyond that. I won't take it beyond that. May God bless you and may God help you that we are going to manage. Starting today, get out of debt. Manage your money. Amen? For some people, and I wanted to do that, but I didn't do it. But I wanted to bring a slender right here on stage. For some people, you just need to bring your credit card and shred it today. If you're going to stop charging your credit card, you have to start somewhere 
you can start now. And tell God, God, Father, this is not my God. You are my supplier. What you have not given to me, I will not spend it. I will not live on tomorrow's grace today. And you just shred it. And it, I need to hear that sound. You need to shred it and remove it from your life so that next time when you don't have something, you know how to go back and kneel down and pray. That is something we have forgotten. When we need something, we just many times go to borrow. We many times just go to swipe and overdraft. Many times all you need to do is pray and God will give you ideas and open new doors that you didn't know about. Amen? Amen. But starting today, put your financial house in order that by the end of this year, we can come back and say, you've saved a thousand. At least every person in this church save a thousand dollars to begin with for emergencies. A thousand. Some of you are saying, ah, I already have that. It's in my checking. I put it in on Friday. That's not what I'm talking about. That is what you're going to be spending. I want, just put it away from all you are spending just for emergencies. If you already have that, can you take that to a month of expenditure? If you already have a month, take it to three months. Financial counselors and uh, Dr. Fanson will teach you that in the class. They, they will tell you that you need three months where you can, you are, if you don't work for three months, you'll still have enough money to pay, pay bills. You'll have enough money to eat out or enjoy yourself. You can live a normal life for three months. And that principle is also a godly principle. Amen? The idea of paying yourself fast is not a worldly idea. They have all stolen it from the Bible. One of the days I'll open to you the scriptures and you'll see. They stole it from the scriptures. Israel was told that they should separate a tenth and take it to the church. They were to separate another tenth for themselves when they go for the festivals in Jerusalem. And so because festivals and traveling is expensive, they would separate from every month, every month at 10%, so they can take off a whole month, a whole month. They already have one twenty percent They can take off and not need an income for a whole month and have money to spend for a whole month just for their spiritual nourishment, for their enjoyment. And many of us are not able to take that because we don't have anything stored. And that's why I'm giving you a goal, a marker, a goal. Begin with a thousand. Number two, once, if you have a thousand, say, okay, let me have a whole month's um, expenditure. That is my two checks that come in the month. Let me have those in savings. If you have that, then put three months and by the end of three months, by the end of the year, many of us should have three months of expenditure in a bank account where you know that I can now breathe. When you have that there, you'll find emergencies don't come. Emergencies come when you don't have an emergency fund. When you have an emergency fund, they don't show up. They don't. Amen? Once you put that margin, your stress level goes down. Your prayers change. You're not always going like you are at Walmart. Father, I need salt. Hallelujah. Father, I need this. That, that, your prayers change. Because you're not going to shop in the kingdom. You see other things. And you are able to deal with God from another platform and from another level. May God bless you. May God help you. I see people prospering. I see people having margin in their finances. 